Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to On The Bench. I'm Chris. I'm joined by Zach. Today, it's just going to be the two of us, so we're going to focus pretty heavily on recruiting. Uh, before we get there, real quick, sponsors, got to mention them. Love the people. The Turner Group. Thank you, Colin, and everybody over there for what they do. If you've got needs with Realty, they're great people to know. Reach out to Brandon. He can always put you in quick contact with them. And the other one is our buddies at Chattanooga Whiskey. We're all big fans of the product. I think you've heard us talk about that plenty. Uh, I'm a big fan of the 111 personally, uh, but there's many options to pick from. So just keep that in mind. All right, let's get to it. First and foremost, the most pressing need for Florida State football going into the 2023 season, as far as assembling their roster at this point in time, is adding a safety and adding a safety with depth. Uh, the latest news on that was they tried to do that last week and it just didn't happen. And Tavius Lane, who's from Georgia State, currently committed to North Carolina out of portal. He's a young man that they tried to get in here last weekend for an official. For whatever reason, it fell through. It did not happen. Uh, it was off of the schedule prior to the actual time he was supposed to travel here. It's not one of these where he didn't get on the plane and didn't make it. It was known at, what, 48 hours roughly, Zach, would you say, yeah. before he was supposed to come here that he was not coming here. But at this point, it looks like he's expected to enroll at UNC. Their enrollment window, according to Don Callahan, Inside Carolina is coming up here very soon. FSU is obviously in a similar boat. Their enrollment window basically is next week into the week after for most of the guys that are coming in to join the summer group. So, and Tavius Lane's a name that for now we're going to move off of the docket. Anything you want to add on Lane, Zach, or bring up pertaining to safety transfer portal recruiting? Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, right? Like, they, they've got to get another guy in that room. Obviously, they landed Ashlyn Barker, who we've talked about extensively out of the JUCO ranks. Um, but they want another guy. And and Tavius Lane, although, you know, not a, a you know, lengthy lengthy defender, he's 5'9", 180 pounds. Um, he's a guy that, that has experience and could have helped FSU. You know, I, it's not a make-or-break kind of thing, but, but FSU needs to go find someone. And... Right now, the options are very limited. Um, I think what's going to happen and the best bet for how they're going to fill that that need, that void, is through the grad transfer market. I think, um, you know, obviously the transfer portal is closed for, for normal undergraduate students. But if you're a graduate student, you can enter the portal after the uh, window closed on May 1st. And I think... You know, FSU will be active in that market if if guys show up at the safety position. So don't. That's what I would be on the lookout for. Um, I don't know of any names currently in the portal that they're involved with. I think they're in a wait and see kind of mode uh, as we enter the next few months. Yeah, you mentioned Barker. Nice thing about him is he has four years of availability because he redshirted this past year at JUCO and he was a full qualifier when he got to JUCO. So he's basically like getting a little bit more experienced college player who's been in a weight training program at Iowa Western Community College. 
but also very young. So you're able to mold them. I think what they would like is somebody that fits in the middle of what Barker and the newcomers are going to be guys like Conrad Hussey and Edwin Joseph and what they currently have, which is Akeem Dent, a very experienced safety who's probably one of your starters. And then Shaheen Brown, who's most likely next starter, who's a third-year guy, redshirt sophomore. So you've got some experience here, but you don't really have much in the middle. I think they kind of like, for lack of a better term, and yes, puns sort of intended, a safety net at safety. And I think that's what they viewed Lane as, and that didn't happen, but we'll see what comes about. You know, you still have essentially about two and a half, three more months to finish assembling the roster, but the market's kind of barren. There's just not a whole lot at the safety spot. All right, I think that's enough on uh, safety transfers. You know, there's not a ton there, but we'll obviously keep you up to date if something new develops. It's one of those things we're always kind of checking on. It's something we care about, and obviously the fan base cares about too. Uh, me, Zach, Dane, Brendan, we all kind of had a moment hitting the road here in the spring, checking out some recruiting stuff. Zach, more than any of us, Zach's been along for the journeys with me. He's also made some solo ones. Me and him made a trip out west here about a week ago now. We went out to Alba, Alabama to see Alvin Henderson, talented 2025 running back. Ended up in Pensacola checking out Pine Forest versus Catholic in a spring jamboree slash game. That involved Jonathan Daniels as well as some other kids. Alex Atkins was actually at that game checking out Jonathan Daniels. And then Zach here more recently over the weekend did some local stuff. So, Zach, I'll pass the baton to you. What do you want to talk about with that road trip that me and you made west, including, you know, Keon Coleman's commitment happening in the middle of it, and then your recent trip this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the the trip out west is interesting, right? Because everything's kind of so uh, spread apart over there um, in West Florida slash, you know, the the parts in Alabama we were in. Um, I mean, I didn't even know some of those bugs existed that were biting me in Elba, Alabama. Man, they were like hopping all over the ground and stuff. I guess it's just a a southern thing but but yeah so we met up with with alvin henderson there he's one of florida state's top 2025 running back targets the four star i think he had over 2600 rushing yards this past year which is absolutely absurd and, and he could have even more this upcoming year i think in his spring game he had four touchdowns and there's a video on twitter where he had just absolutely trucked someone so i'm a huge fan of him and i know florida state absolutely loves him and wants to land him um both of the in-state schools, Alabama and Auburn, are, are involved with him. So it's going to be a tough pull. But FSU is only about a two-and-a-half-hour drive from Elba, Alabama. So they don't, you know, distance won't be a, a negative in that recruitment. Um, it won't be, you know, super hard to get him on campus. But, yeah, in, in talking to him, he definitely has high interest in Florida State. I mentioned he could probably be back um, on June 10th for the elite camp. That's when FSU is trying to get him back on campus. And then heading over to, to Pine Forest uh, versus Pensacola Catholic, that spring game, um, that field was not in the best condition, but but we got to see Jonathan Daniels uh, work out um, for a few quarters. They did some JV slash varsity stuff alternating, uh, but we got to see him in action. And there were a few other guys out there, um, some younger guys that were, that were impressive for Pensacola Catholic. And then Kobe Howard's a, a 2025 wide receiver for Pensacola Catholic that actually uh, had had a really nice game. So, but yeah, just talking to Jonathan Daniels, I feel pretty good about where Florida State stands there. He's got officials set to LSU in Georgia, and along with Florida State in June, FSU will host him for that final official visit weekend, which we'll get into in a little bit um, on June 23rd. But yeah, feel pretty good there. And then just moving into some of the local stops I've made. Try to try to get out in Tallahassee some and hit all the uh, many of the local schools and and there was a, some jamborees occurring this past week which made it easy to see 
multiple schools at once. So got to see Rickard's defensive lineman, Jalen Wiggins. He's a six foot four um, interior slash edge guy. You know, he's playing mostly on the edge right now, but I think he could probably project as an interior defensive lineman on the next level, four star top 50 kid in the 2025 class. And he's really high on Florida state FSU offered this spring. They did their due diligence with him. They got him. They, they, had him in for camps multiple times over the past year or so. Um, and, and he's a guy that they, that they very much like now. Um, he's a very raw prospect, but the, all the measurables and the testing are there, um, which is why schools like Florida, Miami, FSU, and, and LSU um, have been some of his offers over the past year. Um, two guys that I want to note at Florida High that are big FSU targets, Makai Danzi, four-star athlete. He went from winning the 200-meter dash and 400-meter dash at the 2A Florida State track and field title um, championship on, I believe, Thursday this past week, and then went out on Saturday um, and competed in his spring game and scored two touchdowns, including a 91-yard touchdown where he broke multiple tackles. So he's an absolute dude. FSU very much wants to add him. I feel very good about where Florida State stands in his recruitment right now as he heads into some official visits in June. The only locked-in trip he has is to Florida State for that June 23rd weekend. Um, but Florida and Miami are also schools that he could see in the month of June. And then the last guy I want to note, Ashton Hampton. He's a three-star defensive back, but he's very lengthy, 6'2", around 6'2". And yeah, he's viewed as a, as a safety prospect for, for many schools, but he's got five officials set, Clemson, Arkansas, Miami, Florida, and Florida State. But his Florida State visit actually won't occur in June. It'll occur in December. Um, Dane Draper was out at, out, out at the Florida High Spring game with me and actually. Dirty asked, Dane. Yeah, Dirty, Dirty Dane. Dane. He's getting after it. Um, Dane, Dane was asking Ash and Hampton kind of why, why is he taking the official visit to Florida State in December? And he let Dane know that it's because he's been around FSU so much. He knows what FSU has to offer. I mean, he, he practically grew up around the school. Um, if you if the name sounds familiar, that's because Ashton Hampton's father is Alonzo Hampton, who is a former Willie Taggart assistant coach at FSU. Um, so, yeah, he's got he's got multiple ties in the coaching industry. I think he said that um, he played with or, or coached he got coached by uh, coach Reed at um, Clemson. He coached on the same staff as Lance Guidry at Miami Alonzo did. So there's some connections to some of the schools that, that are recruiting Ashton as well. Uh, I think FSU, you know, I don't know if they're all out pursuing Ashton Hampton, Ashton Hampton at this point, but they, they like him. Um, and I think, you know, we could see him maybe make it into FSU midweek or something for an unofficial visit uh, sometime in June in between his officials every weekend. All right. So I'm going to work those a little bit in reverse order. Uh, with Hampton, Alonzo Hampton is now, I believe, the head coach at what, Arkansas Pine Bluff? And he's originally from right. Arkansas. So that makes sense that he would land back in his old home state. Uh, Alonzo, whatever it was at FSU, very nice man. Good guy. Always yeah. has been. It's nice to actually see him back around the program here, some with Alonzo, and he's always been very, you know, cordial when he's in the building. Good guy all around. Ashton definitely takes after his father. Uh, in Hampton's case, who would you say is the biggest competition? I think Clemson, man, because Clemson, yeah. Clemson's not the type of school to to take a kid in and on official and not absolutely want to take him. 
Like, yeah, I and think, I, I think he also likes them a great deal. I think yeah, and he he's kinda, connected the best way outside FSU. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think they've done a great job with him. They saw him play at his state championship game in December, and they extended the offer then. And then he quickly got there in January. And, and I think that's kind of the school that if I had to predict right now um, where he's going to head, I think that would be a, a safe bet. But, you know, a lot of these other schools like Arkansas, Marcus Woodson's known him for, for a while because he offered him early on at Florida State. And then Miami and Florida are two in-state schools that, that are very much interested in, in Hampton. And then with Danzy, an elite track kid, uh, I think right now the main contenders there are the three in-state schools personally, yeah. but especially Miami, I believe. Florida, though, it's interesting because their track program is so good that it makes me wonder how much that will be in play. In talking to Danzy, has the track conversation come up? I know he has the interest in doing both in college, but how much is one going to outweigh the other versus being equally balanced? Has that been discussed? Yeah, he hasn't discussed like the balance of how he's deciding, but I think it's close to equal. He definitely like a hundred percent wants to run track in college. Um, and I mean, he's tweeting out new offers and when he tweets them out, he tweets that he's been offered by football and track. Like he got LSU offer after the spring game and tweeted that it was for both football and track. And I know on his most recent visit to Florida state, he was, he toured the track program and talked to the track coaches um, before even stepping foot into the football facility. So all these schools are making it a priority to show him um, their respective track programs. And I think it's going to be a big factor in his decision. And that most recent visit, if I recall, was with mom and his grandfather, correct? Correct. All right. Uh, next man up was Wiggins. Simple question there. And I think we share a similar belief. He's going to end up on the inside. Yeah, I think so. Um, the frame suggests so. He's playing on the edge right now, but I think he's kind of, he's a little stiff like moving laterally, like some of his straight line speed testing apparently is very impressive, but just watching him in person, um, first of all, he needs to correct his pad level a little bit, playing a little bit too high. Um, and that kind of gets him into trouble sometimes. This is what I was saying when he was raw. Like he, you can see the, 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 um, the tools there that he's got to work with. And he's a, a guy that has an impressive frame as well. But, but yeah, I think eventually at the college level, put you know 25 to 40 pounds on him and he's in and he's in a dominant interior defensive lineman with daniels lsu i view as the biggest competition there kind of consistently i feel like they're the one that has been able to get in there some with him but his relationship with alex atkins runs deep atkins has done a phenomenal job with him i think the two of them have got a very good feel for one another which i think is very significant to Jonathan. uh he mentioned i think maryland and kentucky if i recall correctly when we were over there as possible visit destinations. I've kind of always been told, you know, in dealing with his recruitment that beyond FSU and LSU, anything else mentioned is sort of just mentioned. Like, you know, don't put a ton into it until he steps on campus there. Georgia, obviously a bit of a wild card. They are who they are, back-to-back -back national champions. They're interested. He's interested. But I think they're at best running a little bit distant third to LSU with FSU as a pace car. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't even know how, how involved, like LSU's gotten him on campus and obviously host yeah. him for the first weekend of June for an official visit. But I, I don't buy that they're, they're a team that's, you know, in the, in the like top, like it, I think FSU's in its own league with, with Jonathan Daniels right now. I think they've got a, a solid lead for him heading into officials. 
maybe his 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 official visits change things to some of these other schools. But I just have confidence that Alex Atkins is going to get it done, especially considering they have the final official visit of the summer with him. Yeah, and uh, another thing on Daniels playing into what you're talking about is in April he was talking about taking officials into December and FSU being his last in December. That timeline's been accelerated to FSU being his last in June. I think that kind of speaks to like he he's approaching the end game portion of this recruitment, which is probably a commitment to FSU based on how it's trended to this point in time. Yeah. Uh, last thing on Alvin Henderson had a wristband for Georgia. Notice that when we were interviewing him as bugs were eating us alive, hospitality at Elba was awesome. And that football field is cool as hell. It's a sunken field. It's one knows that, you know, beyond the fact that he's an elite kid that might be the best player in that state, regardless of class or certainly for his class, I kind of want to get back there just to watch a game because the the setting's pretty cool. It kind of reminded me of a smaller version of Niceville for those who are familiar with that football field. It gave me PTSD from NC State. <laughs> oh, all right. So the back half of this today, we're going to talk about uh, obviously June's nuts. Uh, Zach has talked a bit about that and discussing these last few guys that we chatted about. Officials are coming up. It gets hot and heavy. I think we already have like 25 officials on the schedule for June. In yeah, fact, maybe. we do have 25. We have 26 total, but Ashton Hampton's that outlier right now in December. Everybody else is a June kid. The other thing that comes with June, obviously, is camps and a whole lot of them. Uh, FSU's camp season kind of gets rolling on. I believe it's June 5th when they travel to South Florida and they'll be at FAU for an elite camp with Tom Herman. Uh, they did this South Florida camp last year. Um, it paid off. Uh, LaShawn, who's committed to FSU currently. Luane. Luane, uh, thank you. Luane. I don't know why LaShawn came to mind. Sorry about <laughs> that. Not like either of those are super common. Uh, LaWayne McCoy is a kid that I believe the elite camp last year for FSU was like kind of the jumping off point with him, if I yeah. recall correctly. I know he, Michael yeah, went down and liked him a ton. He didn't have a single offer going. That was that. So they held that camp at FIU and there were coaches from, it was FSU, Ole Miss and Michigan. He did yeah. not hold a single offer going into that camp, Luane McCoy. Um, he got offered by Ole Miss that day. And then Florida state offered a few weeks later. Yeah. And that's and a good point. They did it with FIU last year, which is coach McIntyre. And they have a good relationship there. They're recruiting George McIntyre, who's related, related to Mike McIntyre at FIU. This year they're doing it with FAU and Tom Herman. Obviously, it's mutually beneficial. FSU at a South Florida camp is going to attract some higher level kids, possibly than an FIU or an FAU camp. But it's also positive that FSU is invited to do these events with those. Yeah. I, I think it's mutually beneficial. I think, uh, FAU, yeah. I just want to go into a little bit more detail with that. Like, I think it's it's a big deal because last year's camp, they had to to host it with multiple other big-time schools like Michigan and Ole Miss. This time, it's just FSU and FAU. And if you remember last year, Florida State, not only did they get to camp guys, but they got to get some of their top South Florida targets on campus. Hakeem Williams was at the FIU camp, not to work out, but just to hang around the staff. So was Jalen Brown, a five-star receiver that, that ended up at LSU that FSU was involved with. Like those guys both showed up in street clothes just to go talk to the coaching staff. I think FSU is going to try to do similar with some of their top South Florida targets. It's a great idea, um, and it's it's an opportunity for, the, for them to get in some face time without them having to get those South Florida guys all the way up to Tallahassee. So after that, they return to Tallahassee. It gets rolling. I think we have a big man camp in seven on on the seventh. 
Um, those things coincide with one another, usually very heavily school populated. So like, for example, McClay will bring their big men for the big men camp while participating in the seven on so on and so forth with different schools. Uh, the big man camp also will get some individual participants at it. And that's sometimes where you find guys at FSU wants to evaluate more. Uh, Derek Claus comes to mind for me as a kid out of Jacksonville that wouldn't shock me if he, depending on what the schedule is, whether he makes something like the big man camp or maybe elite camp that we're going to talk about coming up. Um, but I think FSU would like him at such a camp to evaluate him a bit more in person, kind of put him through it for themselves, uh, especially with big men, offensive linemen, especially. I think the coaching staff very much likes having that hands-on experience. Also, those are the camps where they find some young kids. I think last year, for example, Zaire Addison's a kid that comes to mind. Uh, Solomon Thomas, who's now five-star and 25 from Jackson Reigns. Yeah. Max Buchanan, kid yeah. I love, center of Seminole High School. Those are all kids that camped at those events, got offered. FSU was in on early, started building that relationship. They've been repeat visitors for FSU. Um, the next camp is – is it the elite camp or no, is it's it mega. the mega camp? It's mega, mega camp and then elite camp. No, actually, so yeah, no. Me- elite camp's on Saturday and then mega camp's on Sunday. Sunday, so. yeah. There we go. Yeah. Okay, so take the reins and run with elite camp. That's obviously the biggest deal of the summer from an FSU recruiting standpoint. Yeah, I've been so busy confirming official visits that I've confirmed a lot of elite camp visitors, but I just haven't put them out yet. Sorry about that. Those will be coming out in the next like week or so. I just have to get through all these OBs because FEC won't stop locking in official visitors with, with top targets. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be a lot of Florida State's top 2025 uh, targets that are going to be at the elite camp. And some of their commits in the in the uh, 2024 class. It's going to be difficult to get guys in the 2024 class on campus on a Saturday in the middle of June because they're going to be on official visits elsewhere. Um, that's just what's going to happen. Um, and and we saw some of that last year, right? Like Florida State's elite camp last year was not the most well populated with elite talent, and some of that was you know them coming off a, a not so great season. But I think this year. I've already confirmed some from some pretty big time uh, 2024 or 2025 names. And I think that's what it's going to be a lot of. Um, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll post those on no247.com in the coming weeks um, on guys who are expected. But one name that Dane Draper already reported is five star edge 2025 five star edge Zion Grady out of the state of Alabama. I believe he's the number one edge rusher in the 2025 class. So a guy that that's you know, pursued by, by a ton of schools is going to go and, and camp with Florida State staff at their elite camp. It, it's it's a big deal. And, and to get those guys um, and, and have that evaluation point for the Florida State staff with these 2025 prospects, it's going to be very beneficial. They get official testing on these guys. They're going to put those catapult vests on them and get some, um, you know, measurables and numbers on them. So, yeah, it, it's always a big deal that, that FSU hosts this camp. And I think they're going to have the right strategy this year of, of trying to get a lot of their top 2025 targets on campus. What I loved about elite camp last year was a few things. One, it was high octane. Two, it was super competitive. A lot of reps very quickly with high level talent going against high level talent. And the memories of it is all day Dre proved who and what he is. And he's lived up to that since his arrival. Quindarius Jones showed he belonged. And that's basically the day that landed him in FSU's class. We discovered him then. And Camden Fryer wasn't scared of nobody. Those are the three biggest things I remember from last year's event. 
Uh, Zach probably remembers different things. I think he was chasing down Chris Parson at the end of it, if I remember correctly. Um, so what do you remember of Elite Camp last year? Like what sticks out when you think back on that from last June? Well, I remember it was Luke Kromenhawk and Chris Parson going head to head. And we we all pretty much thought that Luke Kromenhawk overshadowed Chris Parson as a guy that had never taken a, a, a high school quarterback starting snap um, for his team at that point. Um so I thought that was one of the most memorable things, finding out. So that was one of the first times that that Kevin Little um, from X's and Knowles and Knowles 24-7 was out with us at anything in person. And the first guy he made note of that he liked was Quindarius Jones, who obviously was later offered by FSU, I think, the next day, committed, signed with FSU, and is now a guy that's that um, had really impressive moments in spring ball as an early enrollee. So that was a pretty memorable moment. I think was KJ Kirkland there. I'm pretty sure he was. Um, KJ was a regular at FSU. I think he was at that event. I think so because I think we got him and Quindarius Jones confused at one point um, because they're both lengthy, lengthy guys. But, but yeah, I think, uh, um, yeah, he was another guy that that I think was memorable. And then, like you said, the, the receiver group was pretty impressive. I thought Dre showed out like usual, and and then Camden Fryer as an underclassman. Uh, going against some some pretty high level defensive backs uh, was not afraid to uh, to get after it and, and run a ton of reps, which I liked. I also remember we kind of freaked out because there weren't a whole lot of linebackers. I think there were maybe two or three total oh, at God. the entire event. But a few weeks later, Blake Nicholson happens and that changes the tone. So, um, so today after a very busy day of the elite camp, it's a mega camp. And if you want to talk about busy and needing the sunscreen, nothing like the mega camp compares. <laughs> Begins at 10 a.m., ends around 7 p.m., and there's four sessions throughout the day. Each session is roughly two hours long, I think an hour and 45 to be exact. And, I mean, it's a ton. It's it's 30 schools currently, and that's going to grow to even more that are attending along with FSU. Kids-wise, I mean, shoot, I think last year was what? Was it 1,600 last year? I think the year before was like 2,400 because that was like first post-COVID event. So like everybody and anybody showed up. Uh, Is it valuable? I think it is. It helps build relationships. It also gets a ton of kids on your campus. And some of those kids are very young kids that turn into prospects you recruit. Also, I always think back to like that was Lucas Simmons. That was the first time we really saw Lucas Simmons. He came with a whole group from CAI. And he was excellent at it. And uh, Sean Civilino, who's a really talented D lineman, who's a teammate of his, not an FSU target, but a very talented kid. First time I saw him, I think he got like four or five offers a day at Mega Camp. That was like launch point for his recruitment. Now, yeah, so, now he's being recruited by like Ohio State and Notre Dame. Yeah. So there's like that. Fun, yeah, there's some yeah. fun guys. There was a tight end that went to Bama, if I remember correctly, a couple years ago. Foreign kid, I forget his name offhand, but I remember him putting on a show. Yeah, it, it's a it's a solid event. It's a ton of work and it's a long day and we're all usually pretty edgy and ticked off at one another by the end of the day. But there's also value to it. And it's also, from my perspective, I enjoy spending time around some of the other coaches, seeing some coaches I know from the days of roaming the road and getting to know a lot of college coaches and just kind of reconnecting. I think that's kind of cool. It's sort of like a coaching clinic in person on a football field. Yeah. Um, I also enjoy watching how different coaches go about doing the evaluation. There's some that are shooting video. There's some that's like up in the mix of the drill telling you like, hey, we want to see you do this in this drill. There's other that take much more laid back approach. It's kind of interesting. A lot of different ways to skin the same cat, I guess is the best way of describing that. Um, I kind of glossed over it. There's also individual camps that's happened June 9th, 14th, 18th. Associated with some of those, for example, it's like quarterback camp June 9th. 
That's a day that Tony Katokar puts in a ton of work with a lot of younger kids. Uh, Kevin Sperry's a name I remember from last year's quarterback camp, now commit to Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Luke, we brought up was at a league camp, for example. Tramel Jones, I think, was at quarterback camp last year. Yeah. I, I know there was quite a bit of young talent there, and that's sort of a place where you can build a relationship. I think it's mutually beneficial. Kids get to see how Tony coaches, Tony gets to see how the kids operate when he's coaching. And they kind of get run through it. And obviously, like Alex Elisami, who's a former quarterback here who works on the staff, some of the other guys on the staff who have worked with quarterbacks, they're heavily involved in it. So there's a lot of hands-on approach to it. Kicking camp, I know there's nothing more excitable to talk about on a podcast than kicking camp. June 14th, that's when John Papuchis and his crew kind of get to put their guys through it, get a feel for it. I think Jake Weinberg was a kid that participated in FSU's kicking camp. If it wasn't specifically their kicking camp, they brought him in for an individual camp day and did kicking work with him. So, again, hands-on approach. FSU, again, this summer will also have a youth camp for kids grades 2 through 8. That's Monday, June 19th. Anybody listening that's got a younger kid that wants to do it, go to Mike Norvell. I'm sorry, it's CoachNorvellCamps.com. You can find more information on that. I think that's about it on camp season. Obviously, the elite camp is a big one, and Zach's spoken about that. But there's other gems we find in the other days. And there's also kids that just come in randomly throughout the summer just to visit, um, especially the younger groups, to kind of get a feel as they're making road trips, going to other camps and other places and driving back or two on I-10 through Tallahassee. They'll make a stop here. Anything else about camp season you want to bring up, Zach? I think I think you covered it extensively. You hate camp season, don't you? I hate, I hate like individual camp season. Like I think elite camp is fun. Mega camp is valuable and the FAU camp will be pretty good. But just, I think a lot of it like has become not as fun as when you guys first started covering camps. Like it's, you, I, I'd you, agree with you that. Used to cover like Justin Fields and like those kind of guys at like camps, like the, the, the chance that we're getting some high level guys that are actually going to work out is super unlikely aside from elite camp. Um, and I think that's, that's what made me has made me lose a lot of interest in it, but I'll still cover it. And I like the the sense that we can maybe discover some guys that are under the radar or, or you know, younger guys that are going to become dudes. Like, I think that's the fun part of it to me, but, you know, standing outside in the hundred degree heat uh, and humid Tallahassee, Florida weather in the month of June. Yeah. That's not a, not a really fun uh, part of aspect to it, I guess. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Camps used to be very much a competition of the guys who are probably going to be in your next class. That's gone away with the recruiting machine constantly getting sped up in football now and kind of catching up to basketball where everything's getting more in advance. Um, that just isn't the case. Most 24s who will work out at camps outside the elite camp this summer are kids that they want to see in camp to evaluate further. So if that kid has a mutual interest in FSU, they kind of have to show up and do it. That's what it is for a lot of 24. Which years. means they're what all I do like enjoy, kids. Yeah. Yeah. What I do enjoy is finding the the younger ones, the ones who are going to kind of be the next guy up or, you know, FSU's his first offer, but that cat's going to get a lot of offers. He can play some football. You know, Zaire Addison is one that comes to mind last year. I remember him and I think it was Coach Atkins hugging at the middle of the field as FSU offered him. And he was kind of an unknown. And, but you could watch him and tell him, like, yeah, that dude's going to have it. I was updating his profile for him this morning. I think he's over a dozen offers, got Oregon, Old Miss, FSU, plenty of others. 
you know, it's come along for him. And it's cool kind of watching those type of things happen. They also do a good job of getting young kids in. They do a very good job of when they hit the road here, what they've done here in the last four or five weeks, and they're going to schools as they're speaking with coaches, dropping off camp information, having brief conversations with prospects, uh, either on the visit or subsequently after the visit. They're setting up kind of like, hey, we want you to come in. We want to see you. We want you to get a feel for FSU, have that initial visit, but also put you through camp. And there's a great chance that might be a point for a kid to get offered. I do enjoy that fact of it. So I still enjoy camps. Um, I still enjoy that element of football. But I know you're a hungry guy who wants to just break news left and right, and that camps isn't really that. Camps is a little slow and steady. It's it's made for us old folks like me. All you right, want to just another one by yourself this summer. No, I, I might kill somebody if you make me do it by myself. I'm just gonna. I'm, I'll be upfront about that. Um, it might not be you, but well, sorry, you Dane. Dane Slow is on the totem pole. It might be him. We need Brett for baseball. I don't want to go back to doing baseball. So, all right. Official visits, tons of them. 25 in June. We're not going to go over all of them. You can go to the site. There's an extensive list. We've broken a ton of the visit news. We'll continue to do so. That's what we do for a living. June 2nd, first weekend up. We got a handful on it. Uh, I don't know if you have the list in front of you, Zach. If you don't, I'm going to buy. Oh, look at you. Like a Boy Scout prepared. I'm excited about Quavo Marshall, uh, Jaquavius Marshall from Macon, Georgia. He's 6'3". He's intriguing. I think he's a safety. I think they definitely think he's a defensive back. He plays both sides of the ball. FSU likes him as a DB. I think the staff kind of wants to get a feel for that one over that weekend before they green light it necessarily. But he's interesting. As they want to continue to get bigger and more athletic in their back half, I think he's a kid that very much checks those boxes. Yes, people, I did that. And I, I like him a lot. I think he's better than his ranking. Is there anybody on that weekend that excites you, or you want to talk more about Quavo? Um, I think he's intriguing for sure. Um, I do want to see kind of where he stacks up on their board after that weekend and kind of getting to get a you know some more you know addi- additional uh, measurables on him. Um, he obviously visited this spring, but the, you know they'll obviously get to spend the whole weekend with him on an official visit. The two guys I'll note. Um, that I think are intriguing on this first visit weekend of June are Christian Clark. He's a running back out of Arizona. We've talked about him on here before he visited this spring. And if you remember, uh, we told you that he, uh, when he was on campus, coach David Johnson, running backs coach, brought out all five of FSU's running backs and had them go and meet Christian Clark on campus and talk to him about you know, what it's like at Florida State. And I think that was a that showed a lot about how much FSU's prioritizing him. Um, he's a guy that has multiple ties to Florida State. His mom attended FSU, and his uncle is Kenny Felder, who played baseball and football for the Seminoles in the 90s. Um, so a lot of connections there. Um, but he's got some big-time contenders in his recruitment. Georgia, Texas, and um, USC are all involved. Uh, he's got officials set to all three of those schools. So definitely going to be a tough pull all the way out in Arizona, but they've got some ties working in their favor. The last guy I'll note, Edwin Spillman. He's the only known blue chip linebacker target for Florida State right now that they have a legit shot with. Um, and I think I, I wouldn't describe him as a guy that I anywhere close to expect to end up in FSU's class. But it is a good sign that they're getting him in for an official visit. Um, I Right now, I'd expect him to end up at Tennessee. But he's got Georgia and Ohio State official visits set up for June as well. So 
a guy that's being pursued by some of the top schools in the country. He's from the state of Tennessee, which is why I think a lot of people expect him to end up at UT. But he's a he's a top 250 type prospect and um, is really athletic. And I think FSU absolutely wants him. Um, we'll see kind of how that official visit goes. Yeah, I have a crystal ball in for Tennessee with Spielman. His brother is currently there. Tennessee's made some efforts to kibosh other FSU visits previously. Uh, just a lot of work being done there. If I had to pick a number two in that recruitment right now, I think it's Ohio State. Uh, yeah. With Christian Clark, I think he's a guy that FSU loves. I think he's a guy that David Johnson's very much like fallen for and leaned into as far as being a running back target. Uh, Micah Danzi, who we spoke about earlier in this podcast, is also a running back target. I think Clark's more of a every down, think about it that way kind of guy, while Danzi's a little bit more offensive athlete. Lawrence Tofilly can do a variety of things. So don't view him as one or the other. I think they're certainly a both scenario. All right, June 9th, uh, no visits that weekend right now. And I think that would be the preference for the staff because, well, as we mentioned, the elite camp and the mega camp are both that weekend. So yeah, they're not. They're, they're going to be a tad bit busy. So, you know, if a kid had to come in that weekend, it's the only option before decision date. For FSU, they would do it. They would figure it out. Think, they have enough people on personnel yeah. to do it, but it, the preference certainly is not to host that weekend. Yeah, I don't think they're going to host anyone. I think their their preference, if they if they actually if there's a kid that that that's the only weekend that would work, I think they push it to like a midweek, like Monday through Wednesday kind of deal instead of that weekend because like they're going to be completely occupied on both of those days with the camps. Like they they wouldn't prefer that at all. That's not a true official visit experience. But pulling your hair out of experiences is what recruiting is all about. All right, June 16th, third official visit weekend of June. FSU currently has three on the docket. That list, without a shadow of a doubt, begins with the name Charles Lester III, probably the top target in FSU's entire recruiting class. If you want to argue with me, I'm here for it, Zach. Uh, the other two, before we dive a little bit more in on each of them, is Ricky Knight, a guy that I absolutely love. Got that dog in him. I think he's also a smart cat, super competitive. And Alex January, talented defensive lineman from Texas. A little bit more more recent offer. Took an unofficial along with his father, Mike January, and his mother. His father played at Texas. They visited here recently and set up an official soon after. I think FSU's done a good job there. He's from Duncanville, Texas. Uh, Zach is Charles Lester, FSU's top target. He's number one on my top 10 most wanted list for three straight months or three straight iterations of the list. So, yeah, I'll put him as the, the top overall target. Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? Um, a lot of people on the board are, we need to move the Charles Lester visit to the 23rd. We've got the UGA visit for the 23rd. And um, as of right now, that's not changing. So um, I think that's interesting that, that Georgia will get the last visit of the summer. But Charles Lester's recruitment, I think this is Florida State's to lose by far. Um, he's a guy that has gone on record now saying if signing day were, were today, um, it, it would be FSU for Lester. And I think I think Florida State heading into official visit um, season in June feels pretty good about where they stand. And, and even with some of the OBs he's got set, obviously, to Alabama, Georgia, and Colorado, Um He's already visited Georgia unofficially for several days this spring, and even coming out of that visit, FSU still let. So I'm pretty confident there. Um, the other two guys, Alex January, has emerged into a, a pretty big-time FSU defensive line target since he made a, a an unofficial trip this spring to campus. I think that's pretty um, interesting that that he's already become a guy that that's 
shown a high level of interest enough to to use an official visit to Tallahassee, which is, I think, a, a, a testament to, to Odell Higgins and, and the staff of trying to kind of expand the, the interior defensive line board. Um, he's a big, big body, 6'4", 325 pounds out of Duncanville. FSU obviously has a lot of ties to Duncanville with two guys on the current roster, Jalen Early and Jarrell Powers, both attending that school at a high school. And then Ricky Knight, I think that's FSU versus Miami battle. Yeah, and uh, I'm interested on night uh, if FSU essentially – the DB board's very interesting going into June because there's a lot of names. We know Lester is without a shadow of a doubt a take for them. Yeah. But there's a lot of names on that board, and I think some are guys that some on the staff really like and some on the staff just aren't sure if they're ready to say, yes, I want them in the class. Not to say they don't like them, just the whole green light matter. I think Ricky Knight may fall in that boat. I think there's individuals that absolutely love Ricky Knight on the staff. There's others that I think are a little hesitant, probably partly because his measurements. He's right around sub six foot. Um, but I, I love Ricky Knight. I think he's got the right makeup, super competitive kid, very sharp kid. I, I just like him. I think he's a really good athlete. Uh, Ricky Knight's also tied to Kevin Levy, who as of right now doesn't have an official schedule at FSU. But they are, what, first cousins, I believe? Yeah, um, they're related. And But on, on Levy, he's in the – He's in the process of uh, scheduling official visits, but I think he's got he he has a hard time telling people no. So he set up officials with like Illinois, Louisville, and Kentucky, but I think they're that's very much um, tentative and not probably going to happen all, to all those schools at whatever dates he gave me. So we'll see on that. I know FSU is working on trying to set up an official with the levy. Zach thinks he's going to walk into the airport and have like a let's make a deal on which terminal to go down. <laughs> June 23rd, the monster weekend. Uh, the yeah. count currently sits at at least 17. Obviously, these numbers can fluctuate a little bit. Some might come off for whatever reason. Others will be added. But 17 might be the most official visitors I can ever remember on a single weekend at FSU. I know Willie had some monster weekends in late December in his time here. But I think 17's quite possibly the record. I'm going to research that. Because I think it's definitely the record for Mike Norvell at FSU. Uh, list is topped by Landon Thomas, five-star flip to FSU from Georgia after flipping from FSU to Georgia. But, you know, others on that list, we've talked about Jonathan Daniels. He's way up there. Luke Cromenhawk, who's coming with the long hair to take some awesome photos because my man goes to a military school and can't have that long hair outside of the summer. Uh, Ricardo Jones, who I'm a big fan of, South Georgia safety. FSU's in, what, roughly top four or five. I think he put out a top nine, but I don't believe anything over a top five this time of year. So we're going to put him at top four or five for FSU. And yeah. the fact he's taking an official leans there. Jason Zandamella, yes, sign me up. Probably the best center option FSU can get. Uh, former rugby player from Mozambique. Awesome kid. Competitive as hell. I, I absolutely love Jason Zandamel. I think Jason Zandamel is the best high school offensive lineman that FSU can sign this year. Maybe not the most talented. Like, obviously, uh, Daniels is more of a tackle, and tackles have more value than an interior guy. Zandamel is probably a center. But I love Jason Zandamel. Like, I think the world of what that kid is capable of being, and I think there's a lot of people that will agree with me. Uh, Dylan Stevenson, you want to talk about him a bit, Zach? Yeah, I know Brendan put in a crystal ball for Dylan Stevenson. I feel pretty good about FSU's chances with him. Um, he's a guy that I could see deciding in the next month or so. Um, and, and Florida State, at last check, was his only scheduled official visit in June uh, for that final weekend. So all signs point to FSU being the leader for, for Stevenson right now. 
and that's a high school edge and a position we've put a great deal of importance upon as far as FSU needing to hit in this class. Uh, Stevenson, again, I, I think FSU looks for a certain element in a lot of kids. Very smart kid, mature approach. I think those things stand about him beyond the fact that he's athletically gifted and you know good frame at six foot four, two hundred and what twenty or so. Yeah, maybe even a little. I think he's more than two twenty these days. Actually, he's listed at two fifteen. I think that's old measurements. When he came in for his visit during the spring, he was noticeably bigger. He probably like more than two thirty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jalewis Solomon, a young man up at Schley County. I'm glad I can now pronounce that correctly because we were taught. <laughs> accordingly when we went up there a couple weeks ago he's coming in he was supposed to be in for an unofficial recently ride fell through but fsu will be able to spring for the ride for the official so he's doing that weekend fsu likes him he's a defensive athlete where do they want him to line up yeah i know this is a big topic of debate on the most 24 7 message board but um he's a nickel or a safety for them um i think ideally he's a nickel but if he can help at, at multiple positions, he's he plays both sides of the football and is very versatile. Um, and I think Florida State likes that about him. Defensive tackle Nazir Johnson, big body kid from middle of Georgia, Dublin, Georgia. Uh, FSU, along with Florida, are two main contenders there as of right now. Georgia's also in that mix. I'm interested how hard they push. But he has official setup to FSU in Florida. Um, he's kept kind of a lower profile in his recruitment by design on his part, but he's a kid that FSU was in on early. He visited, if I recall correctly, it was back in January, and that's when FSU offered. Yeah. Kylan Fox, talented tight end from Grayson, recent visitor. Zach's covered the hell out of his recruitment, so Zach, take the baton and run with it with Mr. Fox. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a big deal. He He obviously visited Florida State in May. And then right after that visit, like the day after, announced that he's going to be making his commitment on July 4th. Um, so that's just about a week and change after the uh, the FSU official visit on the 23rd of June. It's, you know, a huge deal. Um, I think FSU sits in the best spot with Fox right now. Miami, Colorado, and UCF are all going to host him for officials in June as well. But FSU gets that last last crack with him before he makes his public announcement um, in early July. And I like where they sit heading into the uh, the big official visit month for Fox. Talented offensive athlete Micah Danzi. We talked a great deal about him earlier on in this pod, so rewind and listen to that again if you need a refresher. James Madison II, the first and only president that FSU's recruited. Uh, deciding on July 4th, we feel good right now that FSU seems to be the pace car in that recruitment. Fair statement. How cool is it that he's uh, deciding on July 4th? That man understands his brand. I'm proud of him. Dude, he's going to profit so much with NIL. Now, um, yeah, I feel good about FSU. I think things could get interesting in the in the month of June. That's all I'm going to say. Like, he's got some officials set up. I think Louisville's involved, Missouri. He's originally from Missouri, apparently. So that's a, that's a school that um, has been in the mix for him. And he's a guy that that's... Probably the um, got the most you know length that length that FSU is pursuing at the, in the receiver room in the twenty four class. They've got four guys committed. I don't think any of them are over six foot one. Um, James Madison's six three with a six foot eight wingspan. So um, yeah, I think FSU probably needs to go and add James Madison, but I mean, we'll see how the month of June shakes out. I think right now James Madison is probably going to end up at FSU. But like I said, I want to see kind of how his official visits go. 
couple receivers that might come in that weekend. One's definitely locked in. Camden Fryer committed to FSU. Legacy, Ben committed for a good while. We're all pretty high on him. B.J. Gibson, I was told to write that one in pencil. He's another commitment South Georgia kid. He's possibly coming in that weekend. A couple other safeties as of right now that we have down, and this could change a little bit. Jarvis Boatwright from Clearwater, Kensley Faustin from Naples, both in-state guys. I think it's fair to say that right now that's expected, not a certainty. Obviously, we continue to confirm these things as the date approaches. Last name to bring up, and let me know if I mispronounce it because I do mightily struggle sometimes with pronouncing folks' names, Manasseh Itite. Manasseh Itite. So you and him hit off. I, I, I think he's a cool kid. It's an interesting story. He's in Modesto, California. He's certainly not from there. But FSU is the only non-Pac-12 school really in the mix there. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, he announced the top five of FSU, Utah, Oregon State, USC, and I'm forgetting one more, maybe Washington. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, it's Washington. I just checked. So, yeah, Florida State's the only school that's not uh, out west that's involved with him, and that's because he had a really successful visit to Florida State in April for their spring game he was on campus for multiple days and nearly committed on that visit and left the trip saying that FSU was his leader um he's you know still continues to say that Florida State leads for him heading into his official visits and FSU like all these guys will get the last crack at at him before he likely likely makes a decision um prior to his senior year at um, Modesto Central Catholic so before we hit on one final topic, the way June sets up right now, how good is late June slash early July going to be for FSU? I think it's going to be, I think they're going to hit on a ton of guys. Um, I think that's, I think it could like fill up 85% of FSU's 2024 class with all the guys that are officially visiting and likely making decisions in early July. I think it's, you know, FSU is going to kind of know what it what it has in its class at the end of summer and then what they have to go and add um in the fall and i don't think it's going to be a lot of guys that they're that they're going to have to pursue um in the fall and, and winter months is it also fair to say that it feels like they're trending towards their biggest high school class in norvell's time here both from a numbers and a talent standpoint yes from a talent for sure i don't know about numbers yet i kind of want to see how many guys they end up taking in early, like in July, the summer and kind of base it off that. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to take a big high school class because if they have the year they're trying to have this upcoming year, they're going to have a ton of roster departures. So they're going to need to, to fill in a lot of um, get or position groups. Um, and I think, you know, some of that will be through the portal, like Mike Norvell and the staff have shown they have the ability to do, and then a lot of it will be, you know, filling in the, the depth with high school prospects. And I think that could be this 2024 recruiting class for them. All right. Last topic, official visits covered, but it's not only about officials or even about camps in June. A lot of other kids also show up. You got a little scoop to drop here. Yeah. So that that second weekend of June is not only going to be big for, you know, the, the elite camp and the mega camp. I'm told some ma massive targets are going to be taking full weekend unofficial visits to Florida state. So um, the first guy is Jojo trader, the five-star receiver out of Shamanah Madonna high school down there in South Florida. I'm told he'll be on campus from June 8th 
through June 11th. Um, he will not actually compete in the elite camp because he's recovering from a hamstring injury, but he'll, he'll be around um, and he'll be around the FSU staff throughout the entire weekend, just hanging out. And that's a three day unofficial visit. So, you know, on his own dime, like it's, it's a huge deal. And then the other guy plays at the same high school as Jojo trader, but he's in the 2025 class four-star Michigan defensive back commit. Chris Ewald um, is a guy that's a top 100 prospect who will also be on campus for those same three days as Jojo trader. Um, it's a massive deal. Those two guys are huge FSU targets in both the 2024 and 2025 classes respectively. And Jojo trader might be their top overall receiver target remaining on their board right now. And, to get him in for a multi-day unofficial visit is just massive. We talked about Lester being their top target. Is it fair to say JoJo's their top offensive target? I think so, right? Is he yeah, he's probably the highest ranked guy that they're that they're truly in on. I mean, Cam Coleman is a guy that's ranked a little bit ahead of him as a five-star receiver, but I don't know how real we feel about FSU shot with him. Yeah, that's a good point. Um as we mentioned, visits are going to continue to be added. FSU is working hard to get more and more kids in. There's a lot of kids we've talked to that have said, well, I'm working on setting something up. They just don't have a locked-in date. I think that was a good show. 52 minutes in and out, boys. That's how you do it. So for Chris, I'm Chris. And for Zach, the best man in the FSU recruiting game, Knowles 24-7, go ahead and sign up. We do a hell of a job, if we may say so ourselves. Uh, Turner Group, we love you guys. Chattanooga Whiskey, drink responsibly. FSU's also adding a legacy beer from Oyster City. Personally, very excited about that. Big Oyster City fan. All right, that was free pub for you guys. Love you. Bye. Rank us five stars. We appreciate you. All right, peace and on. win your fantasy football league it starts right now the offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition we'll help you win your league on the fantasy football today podcast part of cbs sports podcast network fantasy football today has three episodes every week following the latest news giving you early rankings early sleepers breakouts and busts so if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager check out the most dedicated podcast fantasy football today Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.